Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. You know, something magnificent that the earth has never seen is still yet to come. Uh, the earth has seen some pretty stunning uh, things over the history of man. Um, and creation is probably one of the crowning events uh, of planet earth when it came into being and the Lord spoke and it happened in Genesis 1. But something has been prophesied in the Bible that's more than just pockets of increased spiritual activity in different parts of the world. Um, or maybe a, a, a church having a solo move of God. It's, it's going to be more than a few celebrities coming out of the closet to tell about their faith in Jesus or more than a famous politician finding faith in Jesus. This thing that has is about to happen on planet Earth is actually clearly prophesied about in the Old Testament. And uh, so I want us to have a quick look at what Isaiah had to say in the chapter before the one that was prophesied by Helen this morning in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is, of course, Messiah speaking about Jesus Christ coming and intersecting into the history of the world when he was born as a man. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. So this is not an event that we kind of would like to all jump up and down about and get overjoyed of because we're already seeing a smidgen of this darkness increasing around the globe. For me personally, 2022, I've seen an increase in all the different areas that Jesus prophesied that would come uh, before he talked about an event called the Great Tribulation hitting the planet. So deep darkness is going to cover the people, and we're seeing people walking in incredible spiritual darkness. And so this is, you know, it's, it's a sad time in the world. And for many, just even the pandemic, COVID-19, has been an unbelievably tricky time. A lot of people have lost everything. Businesses have closed down. People have lost everything that they've been working for in their lives. People have lost, of course, they've lost relatives. They've lost mums and dads and sons and daughters. And so deep darkness is covering the people. But look at the second half of verse two. But don't you love God's buts all the way through the scripture? When he intersects humanity, he has a plan that's going to come straight across what the enemy is trying to do to steal, kill and destroy. But the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen upon you. He's talking about the bride of Christ. He's talking about the sons and daughters of God. But the Lord will arise over you, over you personally today. Take this as a personal word for your life. That when deep darkness is covering the people, God has a plan for his light and his glory to be seen upon you. That people will see Jesus upon you in a way they've never seen before. And then verse three says, 
and Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So Jesus is going to radiate around the world and kings and queens and leaders of nations are going to come to the brightness of this rising. This is a magnificent event. And remember, this prophecy is speaking about the whole earth. So this prophecy is speaking about a time where the whole earth is going to be shrouded in incredible spiritual darkness that a revival of global proportions, not just pockets here and there, God is going to arise over his people and people are going to look at what's going on and they're going to say, I've got to come and see. Like Andrew inviting his brother, come and see, come and see this man. And it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those um, magnificent times in the history of man where we're going to see Jesus show up around the world through his people. And as a result of that, many, many people are going to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord, a global awakening. What are the conditions? The earth's covered in darkness. The people are cloaked in deep darkness. You know, this year we've seen an explosion of demonic activity in our nation. Not only are we heading, you know, and uh, in a time of high inflation and economic oppression, but we've seen rampant increase to over 200% in some uh, categories of crime, ram raids, etc., across our nation. We're continuing to see um, murders on the increase and the rise. I know this all sounds like really dark news, but I'm painting a picture here because God has a butt to all of this. You know, they're saying that every day now there's a stabbing or there's a shooting in New Zealand. Now, that's a long, that's a far cry from the New Zealand we've grown up in and that we know about. And so what we've read and watched on the news broadcast with the United States of America, with all these killing sprees, it's leaking, it's leaking, it's leaking into other nations. It's leaking into our nation. And then on top of this, we have, you know, militant religion, religious activity that's been going on for some time right around the world. We all understand that Islam has a goal. Christianity has a goal, but Islam has a goal. And that Islam has a goal is to convert and bring, bring into subjugation every person under Islamic world rulership. That is the goal of Islam. And so people everywhere right now are, are feeling the grip of some of the fears of the future, the financial recession, the high inflation. It's hitting everywhere. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, says, but my light is going to arise upon you and my glory is going to come upon you to arise and shine for Jesus' light is upon the body of Christ. Praise God. It's not a question of will this ever happen, but it's a question of it's going to happen, but how can I be a part of it? And that's where the parable that we're going to look at today comes into being because the, the very point and observation and application of the parable we're about to read today of the little widow and the judge gives us a glimpse into how we can answer that question. You know, is there anywhere where God states in his word what he's wanting to find in his people when he comes back and his return at the end of the end times? And so let's have a look at uh, what Jesus says in this stunning parable. 
Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. So there's the subject of this parable. He's introducing it in the very start. And then he gives us a parable to understand why we always ought to pray and why we shouldn't lose heart. Verse 2. There was a certain in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual wearying. Uh, by her continual coming, she wearies me. Verse 6, sounds like the kids. Verse 6, then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, here's the big question, Here's the big question that I asked you before. Is there anywhere in Scripture where God is saying, I'm looking for a sign of what I'm going to find on the earth at the end times? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So Jesus uh, was encouraging us that in challenging times where there are injustices being done, and he chose a he chose a figure in society who is often the brunt of injustices, widows, many of them who can't fend for themselves. And he's encouraging us through challenging times in our lives to keep the prayer lines and persistent communication with them until his return. Keep them open. Keep them going. Keep that, that relationship and that prayer umbilical cord with the Lord. Keep it wide open and keep it flowing and don't lose heart. You know, the word lose heart in the King James is the word faint. Don't faint. It's the word ekeo, which means to lack courage, to lose heart or to give up. So he's saying, don't come into the season where you're under the pump, where there's spiritual darkness everywhere. Don't lose heart, lack courage or be tempted to give up which is why we find at the end of this parable, verse 8, we find out why it is so important. What is he looking for on the earth when he returns? Isn't it interesting? He clearly states it. I'm looking to see if my people are still going to be in faith. They're still going to be believing me. They're still going to be trusting me. They're still going to be praying to me. They're still going to be connected to me because they've protected and guarded and they've kept the faith. And that faith has kept them connected to me. We all know people, and I'll touch on this in just a moment. We all know people who were once roaring in the faith, moving ahead at light speed, who are no longer following the Lord. What happens when injustices hit us, like the little widow pleading on behalf to the judge to come and, and, and interject some justice into her situation? What happens when things don't go according to our plans? When we get potentially sideswiped, will we let go of faith or will we, or will we be faithful? Will, be, will we be full of faith 
Hallelujah. So Jesus explains in this, this woman and widows, and particularly in the day of Jesus, widows were helpless, often helpless. They were considered weak members of society, having virtually no recourse to overcome oppression and exploitation. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm choosing a person that you can all see in society, and I'm relating that to you this morning. And even though this widow is at a strong disadvantage because of her situation, she uses her strongest weapon, the weapon of persistence. She kept coming, she kept coming, she kept coming, so that the judge has to reconsider his habitual refuses, refusals to help her. And he says in verse 5, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me down. You know, she got action from this unprincipled judge who didn't fear man or God by simply continually returning every day, knock, 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 every day, knock, knock, knock. Oh, the judge, here she comes. Oh, that little old widow, here she comes again, this belligerent, persistent widow. She's not going to, I can see she's not going to give up. So unless she wears me out, I'm going to act upon her. And I'm going to, you know, it's interesting, uh, the phrase she weary me in the Greek, it literally means lest she gives me a black eye. <laughs> lest she gives me a black eye. Oh, this judge, he's fearing this little widow because she's, she's mighty in God. She's powerful. She just keeps coming back, persisting, persisting, day after day after day. And then, and then Jesus gives us a real hint on how he sees this. You see, he's the, he's the righteous judge. And verse 7, he says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him, uh, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Obviously, God is not an unjust judge. And if an unjust judge takes heed to a widow because of her persistence, how much more will God, the righteous judge, listen to his children who cry out to him day and night? And what keeps us hanging in when the going gets tough? I tell you what it is. It's faith. And that's why Jesus said, will I actually find faith being expressed at the end of the end times after the world has gone through all this deep spiritual darkness? Am I still going to find some faith filled sons and daughters who are continuing to pray, who will not give up, who will persist in hardship. So faith causes us to trust even when we don't understand what's really gone on in our circumstances. It causes us to hold on to hope and, and hope says that things are not going to remain the same. It says things have got to change. So remember the question, how can I be a part of this great end time outpouring that will sweep the world? Here it is in verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Faith is what is going to connect you to God's light rising and shining on you because you have positioned yourself through your faith to be available. This faith is the key ingredient that keeps you coming back. It keeps you praying. It keeps you persistent and wanting to see answers to prayer. It keeps you connected in an ongoing way to the Almighty. Look at this. We see that, um, uh, that Paul the Apostle names one of his co-workers. And this is what he had to say about Demas. 
2 Timothy 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me. He's talking to the young pastor, Timothy. Come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So he's saying, man, everybody's split, but he names Demas, one of his co-workers, who he formerly named in uh, Colossians chapter 4. Look at this verse. In Colossians 4, he says, uh, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Demas was a part of Paul's inner team, along with Dr. Luke. And yet in, in this previous verse, he says this, Demas has fallen in love with this present world and has deserted me. What happened to him? i tell you what happened to him. Faith leaked out of him, and he became vulnerable to the temptations of the world, and he pursued the temptations of the world instead of remaining filled with faith and right by Paul's side. And sooner or later, Demas is he's in the nightclubs. Demas is back, you know, wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. Demas has fallen back into his, you know, former lifestyle, and he deserts the great apostle Paul. He got distracted with the world. He got a slow leak with his faith, and he eventually forsook his faith. Wow. And so you see, faith is such a key ingredient because Jesus was saying, when I come back and I wrap up all the affairs on this planet, when I come back to the sin-ridden dark world filled with sickness and disease, are my people still going to be standing and exercising faith that will cause me, the highest authority in the universe, to avenge their faith-filled persistent requests and sweep across the earth with his glory, rising upon them as they respond to a rise and shine and a world cloaked in darkness. What's going to hold you? What's going to keep you there is your faith. Yet when I return, will I still find faith present and active, activated in my people upon the earth? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So if we look at what faith's all about, why is faith so important? This is why it's so important. First John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. It's our faith that overcomes the world. Praise God. And so we see two clear keys as to why Jesus was so interested in finding faith at his return. Number one. It overcomes the world. When you've got faith, it doesn't matter like Job, what the devil throws at you. If you've got true faith that's been kept and you've kept the faith fires burning, you've kept the you've kept the fuel going into that faith, then you'll find that that faith will overcome everything that gets thrown at it. And secondly, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that's what true faith is. How do, where does faith come from? Faith comes, Romans 10, 17, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you have a word from God that comes into your spirit, there is a, a literally a spiritual chemical reaction that takes place. And there is an inner conviction inside of you that becomes a spiritual reality about things that are not yet seen. Suddenly you can believe. Suddenly you can see possibilities. Suddenly you're no longer disempowered 
because faith comes in, into us through that quickened word and you begin to hear and believe. It may be a word from the word. It may be something the pastor speaks. It may be something that, you, and that happens in your meeting house when the word of God is discussed and suddenly faith comes in as a seed that's born of God and it overcomes the world. That still small voice of God gives birth to faith within your life. As I finish this morning, I want to give you a simple example from John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3, verse 2. While Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. The word of God came to John. John didn't go to the word. The word came to him. The word came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, and he went. This is, this is a spiritual equation you'll see all the time in the scriptures. The word of God comes and we go as a result of the word. The word comes and he went into the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, we should never go until we receive that word in our spirit to activate the assignments of God that he has called for us to carry out. The word came and he went. This is faith in action. The word came to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your home area. I want you to leave all the comforts of home to a land that I'm going to show you, a far off land. And Abraham got up and he left because the word of God had come to him. So the word of God coming into our spirit and creating faith as a spiritual substance is what activates the body of Christ and causes our feet to be moved because we've, we've received something that is born of God that will overcome the world. And God is looking for people who will position their lives in readiness for a word of God. You know, while Caesar was Caesaring, Pilate was piloting, tetrachs were tetracking, the high priests were priesting, but somebody had positioned themselves ready to receive a word from God, and that man was John. So what happened? John had aligned himself, positioned himself, placed himself like that widow, persistently coming back to the judge until she got an answer, until something came from God. And the word came from, John, uh, came from God to John, and it started his ministry. Ministry, the Bible says, to thousands and thousands of hungry people, and he baptized them all in the wilderness. A young man in his early 30s, separated himself in the desert, received a word from God, and God launched a ministry that impacted thousands and thousands of people. John lived with intention. He was expecting to hear something from God. What about you today? Are you in that place of faith where you're expecting to receive a word from God, where you're expecting God to order your steps, the steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered by the Lord? Are you expecting God to step into your situation with the word? My last scripture this morning, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You see, a loyal heart will position you near the one you're offering honor and loyalty to. A loyal heart never lets go of the Lord. A loyal heart remains ready to receive 
that word from God that will produce faith and cause faith and action to happen and to take place. And I believe that God is searching for John the Baptist all over this planet. Hallelujah. He's looking for your letterbox so he can post you a new message, a word that will spark faith and cause you to move into the purposes of God. And perhaps, perhaps you've made decisions that have cut the word of God from your life. Because you know what the devil did with John? We all know the story. Herodias' daughter danced before uh, the, the king, and the king was so pleased with his dance, he said, I'll give you anything you like up to half of my kingdom. And, uh, and uh, she said, get John the Baptist's head. And this is, what, this is what the devil will do. He will try and place the word of God in prison. John was that word to his generation. The devil will try and imprison the word and stop the word from reaching your spirit because he knows that when the word makes impact with your spirit, that faith will combust and that will turn into substance. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not yet seen. So that substance begins to change you and it changes the people around about you because it's real faith. It's faith with substance. So, you know, perhaps you've made some decisions that have actually caused the word of God to be imprisoned and it's not reaching your spirit anymore. God wants you to repent. He wants you to turn away from whatever that is, whatever decision that was. Maybe you got offended by somebody and you turned your back on pursuing God, but God wants to turn that around for you. So today you can make it right. You can turn and prepare the pathway for God and his word to come back into your life. Be like the little widow who persistently comes to the judge for him to make a ruling and for justice, the wheels of justice to turn. But that can be in any area of your life. How much more will the true judge avenge those who cry out to him day and night? So I want to give you the two question test. And in many ways, this two-question test is what we're building faith point upon. And it's simple. The two-question test will activate something in you to actually get you back on track. It's this. Number one, first question, what is God saying to me right now? What is God saying to me right now? Number two, what am I doing about it? What is God saying to me and what am I doing about it? Because if you can answer those two questions truthfully and properly, God will reposition your life. So take a photo of this uh, last slide for your breakout groups this morning. And uh, this is just a simple, um, some discussion questions. Uh, what kind of things can we build our lives on when darkness covers the earth? Number two, do you find it difficult to persist in things when it gets tough? Why? Or why not? There's some honest conversation right there. And number three, what can you do to strengthen your faith right now?